and welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast dedicated to helping you discover the scriptures in a fresh way, invest your mind and heart into your personal study, and connect to God in your everyday life. We are your hosts, back again this week, and we are looking forward to studying with you in Doctrine and Covenants chapters 10 through 11, starting in to our February study. Yeah, and today what we want to do is wrestle with our own heart, with our desires, and bringing them maybe better into alignment with what God wants for us. But first, we just wanted to follow up on last week's study question. And the question that we asked on social media is, what is the Lord revealing to me? And one of our responses that we received, I wanted to share She said, recently, I've been walking my dog without distractions. I've realized without listening to podcasts or music, it's created a space that allows my mind to ponder and work out things in my mind, like my personal weaknesses, how I could help one of my children with a particular challenge, thinking about my scripture study. It's just been so nice to have these moments with God lately. I think I really like that one because it feels too layered. It feels like maybe God revealed to her that, she needs to have some more quiet in her in her life. And then second, that within those quiet spaces, God's going to speak to her and reveal things to her. So I think I think that's a, a great lesson. I um if there's something that I'm learning, it's that those quiet moments are just more rare these days. And so what a great lesson to be taught. Someone else wrote, I am learning that I dig my heels in unnecessarily, and it's a fruitless effort. Unfortunately, it's the response that comes so naturally to me that it's often in hindsight that I recognize it. So often, the answers I've sought and prayed for come in unexpected ways, and because of my tendency towards stubbornness, I don't often recognize those blessings if they don't come in the form I desire. Learning to first be humble and teachable will help me in recognizing His power in my life, and enable me to better labor with him. And I like that one, the reality of the truth that when God speaks to us, he speaks through um, a multiple different ways. Um, and if we're not open to it, if we're in any way stubborn or or uh, focused on one specific avenue through which God speaks, then we might miss the message that he's sending to us. And I think I like that because it resonated with the experience I had in my study last week um, that taught me how iterative the process of revelation is, that God reveals truth, not just line upon line, but avenue upon avenue, where he'll speak through one particular mean, maybe through a scripture, and then a prompting will come, and then a comment will come from a friend or a family member, and then you'll hear something in a church meeting. And all of those different messages coming through different avenues line up and coincide with each other to create a really clear message. Um, but if I'm not paying attention to all those different places, and if I'm not open enough to them, then I might miss them, and I might miss the, the kind of harmony of revelation that goes on. Well, I could be wrong with this, Zach, but I think that your experience this week, um, we didn't really talk about last in last week's episode because you had kind of studied it after we'd recorded, but it's that 
principle that you're talking about, the President Nelson always references that idea of growing into revelation, that the process that we go through is a lot of different layers. We learn a little thing and then we, well, like anything else, we grow and we learn and we get better at it and it becomes easier for us. And I just think that's such an important piece of this. And especially as we get to study the Doctrine and Covenants this year, that's what we're learning in the beginnings of these chapters of the Doctrine and Covenants. We're seeing the beginnings of the church in these individual lives. And as the church as a whole, we're watching these people grow into revelation. And hopefully that's something that we can recognize in ourselves as we study these examples that we're also growing into revelation pretty much all the time because <laughs> we're always learning and growing. <laughs> well, I think that's a great point. Um, if we can be serious about experiencing the Doctrine and Covenants, not just reading it, if we can experience restoration and not just learn about it or experience revelation and not just read revelation, uh, then I think this year can become a beautiful practice for us in learning to hear the voice of God and answer to our personal questions and personal lives. That's really the motivation behind the questions that we're asking these episodes is we're trying to provide a starter for revelation. If we can pose a really personal question that you can ask to the Lord and then search the scriptures and search your experiences for responses from him, uh, it can hopefully kickstart that process for all of us as we seek to better hear him. Or search your mind while you're out walking your dog. Or while you're walking your dog. <laughs> so with all that being said, we're excited to get into the study this week because we've got another couple of fun chapters to to dig into this week. Yeah. Well, if you've listened to any number of episodes, you know that one of my favorite things to do in the scriptures is to find words that are repeated. I think I've learned about the Lord that when he wants to emphasize something, he repeats it. And so I noticed a repetition this week. It goes back a couple of weeks. Um, section four from two weeks ago, the Lord says this famous verse, therefore, if you have desires to serve God, you are called to the work. That's to Joseph Smith Sr. In section six to Oliver Cowdery, verse eight, the Lord says, even as you desire of me, so shall it be unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. Um, as a quick side note, we didn't really mention this last week, but section seven uh, is a question that Joseph and Oliver have about the translation of John the Revelator. Um, he desires to stay on the earth while Peter and James and the other apostles want to return to, uh, to the Lord and his kingdom. And in that section, verse five, the Lord comments on that desire. He says to Peter, uh, I say unto thee, Peter, this was a good desire. Your desire to come unto me in my kingdom was a good desire. But my beloved has desired that he might do more or a greater work yet among men than what he has done before. In section 10, or sorry, in section 11, the Lord addresses Joseph Smith's brother, Hiram Smith. Um, and to Hiram, who is also asking about his place in this unfolding work, um, the Lord reveals in, in the exact same language he did to Oliver Cowdery, even as you desire of me, so shall it be done unto you. And if you desire, you shall be the means of doing much good in this generation. And then to Oliver, that word, or to Hiram, 
the Lord repeats that word desire over and over and over. You search for it in section 11, it's all over the place. And it's clear that at least in one, uh, that at least one aspect of section 11 is the Lord uh, instructing Hiram and through him instructing us about our desires, about what it is that our heart wants and, uh, and how to bring that desire in alignment with what the Lord wants. Well, and it's interesting that these two chapters are paired together because we get to see two sides of these desires. Mm. Because in chapter 10, you see Martin Harris, and we get the directions and the unfolding of what's to happen with the missing 116 pages and brings up that whole drama that was really hard. It was really hard on Joseph. It was really hard on Martin. And we can't look at it and say that who knows what his desires were with that because in my heart I feel like his desires were honest desires he just wanted to know if what he was doing was right if what he was investing his family's time and his honor and his money towards was something that was right he was going through something really difficult and where were his desires whereas we get this opposite I don't know if I'd say opposite, but contrasting story of Hiram in chapter 11. Yeah, in fact, one of my favorite scriptures in the entire Doctrine and Covenants is about Hiram Smith. It's in section 124. I love Hiram. He's kind of, he's one of the unsung heroes in scripture, very similar to like a Sam or a Shiblon in the Book of Mormon. Um, But I love this description of Hiram. In verse 15 in section 124, the Lord says, Blessed is my servant Hiram Smith, for I, the Lord, love him because of the integrity of his heart and because he loveth that which is right before me, saith the Lord. Hiram's desires are fully aligned with the Lord, whereas Martin's, even though they might be laudable, were not fully aligned, and hence the reason why he experienced the frustration that he did. Um, I was reading a talk by President Oaks, Elder Oaks then, uh, about 10 years ago, called Desire. We'll put the link to it in the show notes. But he references that um, statement in section 137, where the Lord says he will judge all men according to their works and according to the desires of their hearts. And then President Oaks just asks, Are we truly prepared to have our eternal judge attach this enormous significance to what we really desire? Which I think is a really powerful question. In fact, if I can modify it slightly, this is the question that we want to pose to you, to all of us this week as we study. The question is, what do I want? Last week, we talked all about what does the Lord want to reveal to me? This week, we're wrestling with our own desires. What do I want? And do those desires align with God's will? Is my heart right before him? Do I love that which God loves? And if not, which is probably true for all of us, that it's not fully there, how can I change those desires? President Oak says, readjusting our desires to give highest priority to the things of eternity is not easy. We are all tempted to desire the worldly quartet of property, prominence, pride, and power. We might desire these, but we should not fix them as our highest priorities. And so 
If you're willing to ask yourself that question of what do I want and to wrestle with those desires a bit, what we can provide in this episode is a little bit of practical how-to that we found on how to adjust those desires. What can be done if you see that your desires, like we've seen that our desires, aren't fully aligned with what the Lord wants? Well, we have to start off with the first answer that we come across starting in chapter 10. And this might just be the answer to end the episode. Mic drop. Boom. We got it. We're done. (laughs) No, but for reals, in chapter 10, verse 5, and this is probably one that many of you know, but it starts off with one, if not maybe the answer, is pray always. Um, How do we want to find out our desires, align our desires with God's, is to keep in touch with him to pray always, keep him in our hearts, keep him in our minds, and remember to come back to him when we're, as the verse continues, pray always that you may conquer, that you may come off conqueror and conquer Satan. Um, He's trying desperately to derail us, Satan is, from this alignment with God. And if we're praying, if we're keeping him in our hearts, and it's a lot harder. We're still going to come off the off off course certainly because we're human. But if we're keeping him and praying always then it just helps us to keep in alignment as much as possible. Don't you think, Zach? Well, I yeah, I do. <laughs> I I like that um because the way that you're describing prayer shifts our understanding of prayer just a little bit. Um, I think I mentioned this last week, maybe I didn't, but um, I was speaking with a colleague who talked about petitionary prayer versus uh, conspiratorial prayer, which has a negative connotation, but essentially the difference between asking God to change others or change the world, which is a petitionary prayer, which isn't bad, but there's a difference between that kind of prayer and the prayer where we ask God to change us, where we recognize that the only real agency we can ask God to adjust is our agency because we can freely give it up to him. I've always viewed verse 5 as pray um, to conquer Satan. But the way that you're describing it makes me think maybe there's a way that I can pray for God to strengthen me, to change my desires. Like, I, we, we didn't want to focus too much on section 10, but one of the things that section 10 does illuminate is Satan's attempts to work on our heart. In verse 20, it says Satan has a great hold upon their hearts, and then he stirs up their hearts to anger. Uh, in verse 24, and then to flattery in verse 25, so that he can catch them in the snare. In other words, he's trying to make our hearts feel either angry or complacent, both of which um, will rob us of the experience of having a heart knit together with the Lord and and loving that which is right before him. Which is what our desires are. Mm -hmm. I think that's why I like thinking this can get really... This can be really meaningful, this idea of desires. Our desires are something so deep within us that I think that it really does tie into these things of what you're saying. It's interesting, that heart. If you think about it, that's where our desires come from. When we describe what our desires are or 
where they come from, it always begins within the heart. It's in the center. It's in our gut. It's in just that very innermost person of who we are. Yeah. Well, and that shows up all over the scriptures like that, right? You mm-hmm. plant this desire in your heart or study it out in your mind and in your heart or uh, that we can understand in our heart or ponder in our heart. All of it happens in our heart because it's meant to change our heart and change our desires. And so certainly that's one of the reasons why praying and staying with God is so important because Satan is going to try and derail us. I like that. Well, I think that sets a good foundation for what you and I both found in section 11. We we both looked for instances of the word desire and what they teach us about changing our desires. And for me, the one I gravitated first to was in verse 10. Uh, the Lord says to Hiram, Thou hast a gift, or thou shalt have a gift, if thou wilt desire of me in faith, with an honest heart, believing in the power of Jesus Christ, or in my power which speaketh unto thee. Now, there's an interesting cross-reference there in front of honest heart that takes you to Luke 8, which is uh, the Lucan version of the parable of the sower. You know, the good ground, and some seed was thrown on good ground, some thrown among thorns, that parable. Well, when it describes the par- when it describes the good ground in that parable, Luke's description says that it is an honest and good heart. Um, as you mentioned, the word heart shows up all over the place, and um, with that image in mind of the parable of the sower, I started to think about what it means to cultivate a good heart, an honest and good heart, to cultivate or to grow the kind of desires uh, that will align with what the Lord wants so that we can be aligned with his power. Um, A couple of years ago, I, uh, for a completely different topic, um, I was looking up the word cultivation and I found a how-to video, I think it was from Lowe's um, product placement, and it named five things you do to cultivate a garden. One, you remove uh, any kind of obstructions, rocks, weeds, existing sod, etc. Number two, you break up the soil. Number three, you evaluate the soil. Number four, you add into the soil what they call amendments. If it's missing nitrogen, you add in some nitrogen or oxygen or whatever it is that you need. And then number five, you mix it all in. You till it together so that the soil is nice and fertilized and ready for planting. I didn't know you were such a farmer. Well, there you go. That Lowe's video really taught you something. (laughs) Maybe an expert. (laughs) Um, What I like about those five steps, though, is I think they're really applicable to our own hearts. Uh, Some powerful questions to ask. What do I need to remove from my heart? What rocks or weeds do I need to remove from my heart? So that there's place there for good desires. Number two, um, what are in what ways can I disrupt my current patterns? Can I break up the soil a little bit um, so that it's not crusted over and so that it's ready for planting? Once I do that, number three, can I evaluate that soil? Can I evaluate my heart now that I've dug up some things that are maybe buried beneath a crusty surface? Can I look honestly at them and evaluate myself? Um, Once I do that, number four, what do I need to add into my life or add into my heart to make it more fertile ground um, for what God wants to teach me and direct me to do? 
And then number five, you mix it all together and you blend it all together so that your heart is ready for planting. Uh, those questions have been really powerful for me and I think really instructive as we try and change our own hearts. And again, I think at the beginning of chapter 11, this verse that is give heed to my word, which is quick and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword to the dividing asunder of both joints and marrow. Therefore, give heed unto my word. If we want to cultivate good ground, we have to pay attention to his quick and powerful and sometimes maybe a little hard to hear humbling um, counsel to us or these things that help us remove the weeds and the rocks and break up our soil and oh some of those things that we don't want to have to deal with mm -hmm. but it's necessary in order to cultivate that good good ground inside our hearts so while zach's acting like an expert in soil <laughs> i will act like an expert in trees <laughs> um no but really i couldn't help but think as i read verse 21 it says seek not to declare my word but first seek to obtain my word and then shall your tongue be loosed then if you desire you shall have my spirit and my word yea the power of god unto the convincing of men um that declaring in my scriptures which are probably look similar to yours depending upon where you're reading but declare my word and obtain my word are right on top of each other and so I saw declare, and in my mind's eye, I saw this picture of the tree branches. I'm out declaring. Those are kind of the things that someone sees. And then obtaining, to me, was this searching, and I pictured the roots. And so if you can kind of see that declaring is that outward expression where obtaining feels like this deep work. And that's what he tells us to do first. He says, but seek first to obtain my word. We need to work first on our roots. If we don't have strong roots, then there's nothing that we can declare. There's nothing that we can really search for if we're not getting those desires right deep in that good soil. And it's such an important part of that process of where our desires are. Where are they at deep in that soil? Where are they at in our heart? And obviously some of those things we already talked about. Some of the things that you're going to study is hopefully going to help you remember, and me too, because I'm excited to go back and look at this. But um, where are my desires? Where is my heart? And how can I get God's help and align more with what he wants for me? Well, that image of a tree is powerful, and what you're describing seems to be the difference between focusing on the outward visual of me, what do I look like in the world, uh, and the roots which are invisible to the world, but uh, provide the strength for me. And so it's a difference between, uh, am I worried more about my image, about the way that I look, or am I worried about who I am? Am I worried about looking right, or am I worried about being right? Well, and... What's so great is that, and what's hard, I should say too, is that it is that unseen work that you do on your roots that is the tough work, the deep work. It's that heart work that can be so painful, and but also so rewarding because 
What's so cool about trees, because I know so much about them, not, but <laughs> I do know that roots grow down. They continue to grow. They continue to grow just like your branches do. And as the roots go stronger, the tree grows taller and the branches grow bigger and stronger too. And I think that's a really beautiful thing to think about as we focus, as we think about what our desires are. The desires that we have in our heart come out in our branches. And I think God is a great person to counsel with and to get help from so that our branches can become something that we want them to be. So counsel with him in prayer. And uh, then with that foundation of prayer, wrestle first with the soil. What needs to be taken out? What needs to be added in? What do I examine and see there? And then work on strengthening those roots, the things that connect us uh, to God and that... um, create within us goodness that maybe is invisible to the world but visible certainly to god but will help us with the visible things too yeah Um, president oaks says this Uh, he references if you remember this talk he references the story by aaron ralston who was that hiker um, that got his arm trapped by a boulder and i think it was three days that he was trapped before Um, he eventually decided he was just going to give up. There's no way out. And then he sees this vision of a little boy and knows in that vision it's his future son. And so his desire to get out overcomes his fear of the danger that, that, uh, the danger and the hurt that might be coming. And so he breaks his own arm and then severs his arm with his pocket knife and then is able to get out. And uh, President Oaks mentions... Most of us will never face such an extreme crisis, but all of us face potential traps that will prevent progress toward our eternal destiny. If our righteous desires are sufficiently intense, they will motivate us to cut and carve ourselves free from addictions and other sinful pressures and priorities that prevent our eternal progress. Um verse 26 in section 11 therefore treasure up in your heart and tell the time which is in my wisdom that you shall go forth behold i speak unto all who have good desires and have thrust in their sickle to reap behold i am jesus christ the son of god i am the life and the light of the world I'm convinced that that light and life of the world can help us wrestle with our heart, find good soil, deepen our roots, and as we counsel with our Father in heaven in prayer, make the changes to our heart and desires that need to be made uh, so that we can do a great work in, uh, in what God has unfolding for us. Thank you so much for listening. We're so grateful that we get to study with you. We hope it's a great week and a great study. Thanks. Thank you.